welcome to New Wineskins, a podcast dedicated to helping your church discover fresh perspectives to increase your ministry effectiveness, engage your community, and fulfill your calling in the context of our current culture. Each episode, we take time to dialogue with pastors, church staff, lay leaders, and experts who bring new ideas and fresh perspectives to assist the local church. You can find out more about our program by visiting us on anchor.fm or email at tony.brooks at bgav.org. Our host for this journey is Dr. Tony Brooks, field strategist for the Baptist General Association of Virginia. We hope you enjoy this episode of New Wineskins. Here's Tony. I am thankful uh, for Reverend Greg McCormick. He's the pastor of Woodland Baptist in Arrington. Uh, has been influential in my life. Um, and Greg and I have known each other for a long time, and I'm amazed how God brings things around. I was a pastor at Bethel Baptist Church in Scottsburg, Virginia, from 1994 to 2003. And uh, during that time, Greg, um, his grandmother passed away. He came for the funeral. His brother was a member of the church. Um, that's when we met. And then in May of 2011, I came back to work for Virginia Baptist as a field strategist for Southside, but also working on discipleship and evangelism, uh, Sunday school. And uh, I thought, I need to be in a huddle. And so I signed up for a huddle group, discipling group. And Greg McCormick was one of the two that was leading that huddle and um, made a difference in my life. And Greg is committed to discipleship. And I've huddled so many pastors the last nine and a half years. I started 10 years ago. And um, at the end of each one, I invite Greg to come in. And just to share um, how to do this, how to do this in a practical way. So, Greg, I'm thankful you're here. I know they may want to know more about Christy and, and your family or whatever you want to share personally, and then we'll get into some questions. Well, thank you, Tony. The feeling is mutual. You continue to make an impact on my life and inspire me, encourage me provide a sense of accountability for me, even in the things that are most important to me, particularly my family and, and the way with, that we do discipleship. And that seems to always be part of our conversations, whether it's something like this or whether it's you and I just touching base. That's, that's two key things, and I appreciate that particularly about you. With me, I'm very fortunate to be at um, Woodland Baptist Church right now. It's a church I've been at for 11 years. It is it, not that it's been perfect by any means, but it has been a good place to raise children. I have boys that are 14 and 15 years old. One of them is going tomorrow to take a test to get his learner's permit. So we're in the midst of lots of, <laughs> lots of transitions, things going on. Then he leaves the next day to go on a mission trip to Mexico. So um, those are good things. And just uh, my family and, and 
it's a great place to be. Your church is great. So I'm, I'm in a good place right now and thankful for that, particularly knowing what so many others are going through right now and praying with them. And I don't do it in as much the formal way as I think you're doing a lot of times, but opportunities to talk with other pastors and encourage them and, and be a part of a discipling relationship with each other. Because a lot of times people will look and think pastors are the ones that do all of the discipling, but we we never reach that pinnacle where we know everything either. And if we think we are, we're not doing what we need to be doing. So we do that for each other. And I appreciate you and others who've done that for me. So that's kind of, um, I guess, a, just a little bit about me anyway. Well, before we get into the questions, I, I know part of the challenge, and I put this on LinkedIn recently, seminary provides um, growth learning around understanding the Bible, theology, lots of areas. Most of the ones that I have seen and been a part of have not done a good job of understanding discipling, evangelism. We could go administration, COVID is a whole different matter. That Absolutely. No one would know. But <laughs> so uh, just thinking about that, if we got a new pastor coming out of seminary, what would you want to tell him about the importance of disciple making and what that looks like? It is crucial. And you can read so much in scripture that backs that. And I believe in your typical church, you could teach it, and I believe that 100% of the church would agree with every bit of it. So that's not the problem. Understanding it and knowing the importance and, and why it makes a difference isn't the problem. The problem is putting it into action. Amen. And I, I want to share with you, and I have shared with you, but I want to share with those listening a text that one of the members of my church sent to a small group that we're a part of that. I was so thankful for it showed an example of a person in, within the church who I think really gets what discipleship is. And this is what the text said. It said, don't just invite people to church, invite them to lunch, invite them to your home, invite them into your life, be there for them. We are the church, not a building. Amen. And for me as a pastor, to have somebody that instead of me just having to preach that from the pulpit and everybody saying, amen, that sounds good, but to have somebody communicating that and challenging others that are beside of him in the pews on Facebook, wherever it may be, to, to come with him together and do this. And not only did he send that out, he actively does those things. And to see that and to see that example, that's what discipleship is. So I described that. I think your question is, okay, now that we know that's what it is, how do we get it to happen, right? Yes. And so with that, I think where it has to start with us as pastors, with us as leaders, discipleship is about relationships. It's all relationships. It's, it's our relationship to God. It's our relationship to others. It's others' relationship to God and how we help foster that. So you cannot be an effective disciple if you do not have a genuine relationship with God yourself, a genuine everyday 
meaningful, relevant relationship. Yes. Because if not, you're going through the motions. If not, you're sharing a bunch of information people may take in and say is okay, but that may very well be why they're not applying it. They're not seeing you apply it in a way that is genuine and magnificent. Yes, you might be following a list of rules. Yes, you might be doing the good Christian things, but that's not the same thing as allowing people to see how God's guiding your life. And if that's happening, people are going to see it, particularly if you're doing these things this guy sent and you're interacting with them on a daily basis. So that's the first step. And I think I, I don't know. I don't think you want me to stop here. I think you probably want me to share more. But a lot of us just need to spend a while doing that, making sure our relationship is where it needs to be with God. Greg, um, yeah, 100 um, percent. Again, going through the huddle with you and is just looking at what that looks like for us to abide in Christ in John 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, spending time with God daily. And then knowing how to be able to express that uh, to others um, in everyday life. Uh, you know, I don't know if I told you, but, you know, again, we moved into a house after being in an apartment for nine years. And uh, mm-hmm. we're in forest and our neighbors next door, they're Christians. Uh, but even in that, um, spending time with them, building relationships, helping them to grow and us to grow from them. That's discipleship. And another thing I'll throw in too, we, a lot of times we, we think we're doing relationships. We're doing the church thing. We go to church, we meet people and all that. But when I say do relationships, I mean, you need to do relationships in the messy part of life, not just in the the churchy part where everything is structured and sterile and how it needs to. And that's not bad. We need that as well. I want that. that. I enjoy that. But it's got to be more than that, where people really get real, where you see you come into their house for whatever reason, and they haven't had 30 minutes to pick up everything off the floor. Right. Where you're really getting to know who each other is. And then that opens the door to where you're really sharing and you're really seeing how you rely on God and you're really seeing what's important in each other's life. And. And so I'll continue on somewhat. So you may think if I'm talking all this about relationships, you can you might think, well, Greg, are programs really a bad thing? No. Programs are not a bad thing, but I think programs need to be understood that they are a tool. We need to know the foundation is about relationship, relationship to God, relationship to each other's and others relationship to God. But but programs can be not only tools, but very valuable tools that can help people, can introduce people to those types of relationships we're talking about. And I think as churches, we should be expected to offer those tools. I think we can help people. There are people that that they want to do something and they don't know how, and the church can offer tools that help them get there, and they can be valuable, and they can be life-changing. But you just need to realize they're tools and not become where they become more important than understanding about the relationship with God or the relationship with that person. Yeah, it's organic, starting exactly. with that. And then... Okay, now I realize I need to go deeper in a relationship in this messy situation with someone I'm reaching out to. Yeah, a re- recently, and you got the email, uh, Jesus was always 
in the midst of messy relationships. And that's where miracles take place. Absolutely. And so how do we prepare our members to do that? Yeah. So when we look at that, if we're looking at the programs or how to do it as a church, discipleship, life on life, small groups, what are some of the things that you have seen that have worked and helped? Well, I'll touch on those that you just mentioned. Small groups are something that became a new thing in churches a while back. And I think they can be very effective. It, it helps people, particularly if you're in a larger church, to be able to come together and everybody kind of have a place. Even in smaller churches, because the church I'm at is not very large right now, small groups allow groups of maybe six, eight, ten people to come together on a regular basis. And you may do a Bible study, you may do a prayer time, may do a meal. There are different ways you can focus a small group, but it just encourages relationships outside of sitting beside each other's in a pew or doing what we've called Sunday school before. It opens up life. So, Greg, in that small group, though, you mentioned prayer. Bible study, kind of a fellowship, also maybe serving out in the community in some ways? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, one of the things that has happened, I'll just throw this in really quickly, kind of a sidebar. Yeah. For many different reasons I don't have time to go into now, we ended up switching our services and our worship services now at 930. And we follow up with our Sunday morning small groups at 10.30, 10.45. And one of the things that we realized happened with that, one, we had more people attending because they would come from worship and, and feel more ready and willing to come into that small group time. I also have at least one small group that's a follow-up of what it is we talked about in worship, but it's exactly what you said. It's offered an opportunity. We don't have to all finish at a certain time in that small group and go to worship. There have been several occasions where those small groups have scheduled a time, sometimes to go together and do lunch, but sometimes to do exactly what you said and go out and serve. And some people may have issue with this, but serve on a Sunday afternoon, helping people who are in need. And mm -hmm. it has, it's, it's, that's what I think effective small groups do. And yeah. so that's a small group. Another, we mentioned huddle. Huddle is a type of small group, but it's more than a small group. I would describe it in general as a more intense, directed small group. And the ones you and I have talked about and been a part of are specifically directed towards discipleship and that growth and helping disciple other people and helping them move them along. So it's, it's kind of a small group on steroids. But people who are ready for it, it can be one of those really valuable tools. And it's not just huddles. Huddles is, if you've ever heard of 3DM, what you and I've been talking about is connected to that. But there are dozens of tools that people can use that help move in that direction. You just have to realize you're not picking up a program. So you can say, I'm doing a program so I can say I've done this. You really need to look at it and think about it. Consider the, your personality, the personality of your church and what your goals are and whether all those are going to line up or not. And then yeah. finally, I would say, while programs, I think most churches probably want to have some type of program that's going to help that. It doesn't have to be programs. And I'll give an example there. For me, this happened for me, and I've encouraged people in my church. A lot of people will say, with all the life I've got, I just, I don't have time to add another thing. I can't go to another meeting. I can't do another Zoom session. Mm -hmm. So I, I get in conversations with them and I ask, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? And one of the things that I was doing, I think two years ago was my last year, I coached my boys in baseball for nine years. Right. And 
in that time of coaching, my focus was really coaching. We did well. In fact, one year we went to the state tournament and were the runners up. So I took coaching seriously and it was important and I tried to do a good job. But in the midst of that, I also formed relationships that God was a part of. There was a time that there was one mom, I didn't know that well, but my wife, because we just do life on life and people know who God is in our life. And I told you about how you have to be genuine. We've left, we've turned the lights off. Everybody is out. And my wife and this mother of a child are standing in the middle of the field, holding each other and crying, dealing with the issues that are going on in life. That's discipleship. Amen. That's showing how God can be a part of that. And that that happens organically. And this is what we want those, those groups to point towards. But I still say it so much has to go back to that beginning of just having that genuine relationship with God ourselves. And then as we help others recognize that, because we have to help them see that too, and not just get more people in a pews, not just not just have good programs, but help them see the importance of really making those life changes. Then it it happens naturally again. And it just, it just continues to perpetuate itself. There has to be that type of multiplier effect. And it will be, you you don't have to make it happen. If it's true discipleship, it's going to happen. So I've kind of got excited about that. I don't know where you want to go with it, but that's. Greg, I'm with you 100%. yeah, those opportunities we have every day to that next level. Um, so again, in that small groups, or even when you mentioned huddles, it really is first our relationship to God and, and growing closer and knowing who we are in Christ. But if we don't move to that multiplying to multiply, If it's just about feeding me, um, and I know that's not what you're saying, but I wanted to just bring that up because I know you have the same heart I have about as we grow, as God in our relationship gets closer and we help others in that relationship get closer, we're called to multiply and then reach out to people who may not know Christ um, and some that may be baby Christians and need that help. Um, I don't know. Is that? Oh, I agree completely with you. Um, One thing in this, I don't know how much time we got, but I want to get this in anyway, particularly trying maybe to help some others who just really want to to do this and want something to to know how you put it into practice and they've understood what it is about making their relationship with God the number one priority in their life and and now they just want to know how to go on. I, I want to give you some ideas of ways to facilitate the process of discipleship with those that God places in your path. Good. So here are a few examples. One is to encourage their spiritual walk. If we grow, all of us, I don't care who you are, you have opportunity to grow in your spiritual walk right now. And as you're doing that, if God places another person in your life who you feel led to disciple, be sure that they know where they are in their relationship with God and that wherever it is, they're invested in helping it to grow. 
because that has to happen. So I think that's key. Another one is to explore with them where God is at work in people's lives around them. If they're going to disciple other people, they grow themselves, but then have eyes to see where God is at work in other people. And when I have some of those discipleship groups, you and I have talked about this. um, I don't just necessarily randomly go and I don't have a sign up sheet necessarily for people to sign up and be a part of it. I, I pray about it. And there are people I will approach and I say, I see God doing this in your life. And if you're willing, I'd be willing to invest some time with you to help walk along beside of you and that. And usually they get excited because if that's really happening and God's doing that, they're yearning for more. And so paying attention to that, a third thing is um, low hanging fruit. Someone who is new to discipleship, help them figure out how they can really connect with someone and have that success to build upon. And one of the easiest things is people that you spend a lot of time around that you're close to, that you're comfortable with, that you're friends with, somebody around them is going to be struggling with something. If it's not right now, it's going to be in some point of time and just caring for them in the way God would lead. Now, caution, never, ever make somebody a project. Yeah. Don't do it just because that's something that that it it seems like somebody told them to do you're supposed to. You've got to be genuine in it. You've got to care about them. But as that happens, then help them see how God can or has been or will be a part of helping them through that struggle in much the same way God helps us through our own struggles. And that builds confidence. And then finally, I would say just continue growing. You continue growing, but encourage that person to see how they're growing, even in midst of struggles and and understanding that that's a process of discipleship. And it's it's not always fun. It's not always easy, but it is always blessed. It is always beautiful if we're willing to step back and see what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. And I just, I, to me, it's the foundation. It's the integral part of what it means to be a Christian, to be a part of a body of Christ, to be invested as a church in a community is just discipleship is just key. It's a, it's in my blood. I think it's in all of our bloods as believers. I think it's what we're called to as Christians. So, yeah. Greg, great words. I know again, part of the challenge um, that the church faces right now goes back to the discipleship quadrants that you and I have talked about many times. Yes. You know, pastors, um, you know, we have to provide that high invitation or support and high challenge. And we've talked about Jesus calling disciples, come and follow me, that high invitation. I want to invest in you. And then he says, and I will make you fishers of men, which is the high challenge. You're not going to sit around. I'm going to teach you how to fish for others. I think in the consumeristic approach of church, that's been one of the biggest challenges. Um, and you you brought it up. You've done a great job. Please hear me say that. And what you told me and what I know from Mike Breen and Steve Cochran uh, about building a discipling culture, we're looking for persons of peace. Yes. Persons who are ready to be invested in and ready to move to that next level. I just think that's a challenge. Um, And again, 
I know this is going on the podcast. I feel like you and I are just talking right now. Right. That's been the challenge, I think, for pastors who've not been discipled. Mm-hmm. To know how to do that, how to hear the voice of God about these are persons of peace, how to help them along the way. Um, I'm thankful for what you do, for the way you have invested in me. And as I've told every pastor that I've huddled, based on you and Jeff, um, I'm here for you. Right. And I've reached out to you along the way and will continue to reach out to you (laughs) because (laughs) of our relationship. And that's the beauty of all this. Yeah. You know, as believers, we're not on our own. Besides God and our relationship with God, we have others that want to help us to multiply, make disciples. And I think you brought something up. I would encourage not only like to other pastors, other leaders, because there are other people that can lead that aren't necessarily pastors in terms of discipleship and should be, um, is not just focusing on your relationship with God, but maybe it could be really valuable if they haven't done it already to allow themselves to be a part of discipleship and discipleship group. And I know you are open to leading that, particularly in the area in which you serve and live. Anybody that's hearing your podcast, I know if they haven't been, you would love for them to get in touch with you. Anybody who might, for any reason, be closer to my area, you know I, I'm I'm more than willing, whether it's a one-on-one thing or we get a group together. And if it's not one of us, most people in the know somebody that they can look to that would help move them in that direction, even if you have to seek it out yourself. But I think there's so much value in that to be able to do that so we can do it better with others. Amen. Yeah, Greg. And again, this was through the Spence Network, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, and, and they still do this as well. So there's a lot of us that are here uh, for pastors, staff, uh, to know how to make disciples. And we want to make sure that's uh, very clear that that's what we're here for. Greg, thank you. Man, this has been Thank great. you, Tony. We're going to talk more. You know, I, I mentioned a huddle group I have right now that. Uh, We'll finish up in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll plan on being there then. uh, Yeah, I'll be calling on you to to help them move to that practical level on how to do this. And so God bless you, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Well, very good. And I'll give you the word here so you can share it. Anybody that hears this that desires to be in touch with me, I'll be glad to follow up with any kind of conversations if they want to continue as well. So, Greg, do you want to give them any contact information or just say, look up Woodland Baptist Church in Arrington, Virginia? That'd probably be the easiest. You just go Google Woodland Woodland Baptist Church, Arrington, Virginia, Nelson County, or Woodland Baptist Church, Greg McCormick. It'll pop up. And right. I've got contact information there that they can reach out to. Perfect. Thank you, Greg. All right. Good to talk. Thank See you, you soon, Tony. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed the content this week and that you found something that you can put in use today for your ministry context. 
If you'd like more information about the content of today's episode or more information about Dr. Tony Brooks or the Baptist General Association of Virginia or just want to connect for further dialogue and resources, go to bgav.org or email Tony at tony.brooks at bgav.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode of New Wineskins, where we discuss fresh perspectives for the local church in the 21st century. Thank you.